Hello and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily, a podcast by a delivery manager talking about delivering agile projects with the best practice tips and tricks, examples and guides to help you as a delivery manager learn from my mistakes. This is season three of the Delivery Manager Daily with focus on sustainability and digital excellence. Get in touch via X, subscribe to the newsletter, read the blog, mariosblog.co.uk and get involved in the conversation. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily. I'm your host, Mario De Cristofano, and this is episode 40-something, I don't know. But um, thanks for listening, and I'm really uh, grateful for that. So if you are listening for the first time, uh, don't forget to please subscribe and also uh, get involved on Twitter, get in touch with me, at MarioDC, or search for the Delivery Manager Daily, I say Twitter X. Um, and get involved in the conversation over the next few weeks. I want to be talking to IT uh, professionals and delivery managers and having a bit of a conversation, plenty of which I do in the background and do talks and things on Agile and speaking to various people and sharing war stories, but wanting to do that more and more on this podcast, so do get in touch. Um, Today, what I wanted to do is talk about the approach to an IT strategy because part of what I do is not just delivering digital projects, and working with engineering teams, but also delivering entire strategies for organizations. And I'm doing that at the minute and wanting to kind of, as I always do, kind of talk through it in my head so I can get it clear in my head, synthesize my thoughts, but also if I can help someone else at the same time or at least start a conversation, then uh, that's all good. So episode 40, welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily. I think uh, the first thing I think of when I think of any kind of business strategy around technology is making sure that there's emphasis on that the IT strategy underpins and supports the business goals and objectives and not the other way around, even if that business is an IT company. So many strategies are written with an aim of building really expensive kind of thiefdoms of knowledge and power, and they almost throttle and choke the business. IT should be an enabler. It's often forgotten about that it's an enabler, I think. And I think it's really important that you think about when you're writing an IT strategy, thinking about exactly what it needs to do to help support the business rather than the other way around. So I crack out some fairly kind of simple, well-known management consultancy tools, frameworks and processes to start understanding the business, especially if it's not one I work in day to day. And I'll I'll talk about that uh, in a minute. But there's a bit of a kind of standard menu of things that regardless of your approach or your experience or your manner of developing a strategy that you'll want to think about. You want to think about the company's existing as is state across technology, end user compute, people, process, data, storage, security, any kind of appetite for AI, of course. If they develop product, digital product, code, software engineering, most companies do, and if not, they will be. Uh, How they do engineering, software delivery, testing, DevOps. Have they got a vision and a mission for the business written, and I say this all the time, in a way, concisely, uh, in a way that your mum would understand. And how do they support the internal organization, the users? Also thinking about cost, capex, opex models, how they consume IT and IT services. I also add on top of that, success metrics, OKRs, KPIs. What's the point in making any kind of change or transformation if you can't measure whether it's successful? How you do vendor management, so whether that's setting up a vendor management office or at least thinking about how vendors are procured and arranged and tested and how they're measured and 
to make sure that vendors um, give value to the business rather than you just hammering hemorrhaging money into support contracts, which is something that I see when I do audits of businesses, companies that are just paying an organization to provide support that they're not using or a cloud service or storage platform that they haven't used in months. And there's no kind of um, two way communication. And I think vendor management is really important. And you can go to specialist organizations that can handle sourcing and VMO for you. But it's something for in the SME space that you can probably do yourself. Again, thinking about how that IT strategy and transformation will align with what the business is trying to do and how you're going to communicate it. How are you going to package up a strategy and communicate it and then provide all the training and the support and the initiatives and kind of putting your mast in the ground to say, hey, this is what IT is for. People forget what is often seen as soft and fluffy stuff like identity. But when you do a transformation program in technology, you really need to think about giving it some kind of, it's almost a mascot, a brand. People need to know when we're talking about technology, talking about transformation and the impact that might have on any organization and the people within it. It needs to have a feel and a direction and needs to feel like something substantial rather than just a load of what is often white middle class males sitting in an ivory tower making wholesale changes to a business. And then again, measurement's really important, right? So thinking about how do you measure anything that you do, else otherwise you don't know if what you're doing is right. And you've got to base things on empiricism, data, and making sure that you're acting on that. So we crack out the management consultancy toolbox and we start, or I start, with like a pestle and a swap map to just kind of get my thought juices, thought juices, (laughs) Um, to get my kind of thoughts flowing around the business and making sure that I understand the business, especially if it's in a vertical that I'm not quite familiar with. So even if they have um, that kind of data, I'll at least want to look at it and then corroborate it. So you can do a basic kind of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats analysis, both to the business, what it stands for and what it's trying to do in the market. And you can also do a political, economic, sociological, technological, legal and environment or PESL. And again, the purpose of kind of capturing this as is state is so you fully understand the impact of any transformation. They're relatively straightforward analysis approaches and if you go onto mariosblog.co.uk and look for this blog post there's some links to guides on how to implement them but if you're like a BA or you're a management consultant or you lead or head up technology teams and businesses then you'll do this as part of your day-to-day and do it in a rapid way again management consultancy learnings over the last decade but doing these discovery phases pretty rapidly either myself or with a small team to make sure that I fully understand as much as I can the business its customers and clients the business and the people itself and we start to get some sentiment analysis and understand what we need to do as part of a transformation and I'll do all this even just to implement an IT strategy it's really important The next thing is then I've got the pestle and SWOT analysis. I understand the business to a degree. I understand where it sits in the market, what it does, its competition, how they do IT and technology. And I want to speak to the individuals in question. I want to understand where possible everyone in the business, their pain points. I want to understand what they think about IT, what they need, what causes them grief, where they think the business should be and any gaps and collect that sentiment together. Now, you have to be really practical and well facilitated 
facilitated here to capture people's thoughts and sentiments without giving it the feel of design by committee. And often if you're a management consultant going in to do this, you'll often be firewalled to the C-level exec team because they're the ones often investing, funding and paying for it, basically. So it's their thoughts and their ideas and their direction. And sometimes that's how it has to be. But if you're doing a thorough independent audit, dependent on the size of the business and therefore the practicality, I'd want to do some kind of online survey, some MPS scores, some sentiment analysis and some interactive experiential workshops to kind of get people together and start talking about technology and transformation around IT and digital within the business. I want to hear about what people's fears are. I want to hear about their thoughts and expertise on AI. I want to hear the problems and the challenges that they have and I want to hear of the things that are going really well and they don't want touching. I think it's really important to as an IT leader, expose yourself, not like that, um, that's a HR issue, uh, expose yourself so everyone has an opportunity to be part and co-author where appropriate the things that are going to touch their lives. And I think it's a real good, simple, basic human being way of building up trust. So I'll practically affect this, probably using Microsoft Forms initially, and I'll use the less... Uh, personal uh, means like a form for those departments and individuals that I can't quite get access to immediately and as I work my way into the core of hierarchy and management and key noisemakers and key stakeholders and individual department leads I'll have interactive workshops and sessions with them to kind of do some kind of experiential post-it notes on a whiteboard tell me what you feel tell me how you think tell me what the issue is with IT at the minute, maybe do some process mapping for their particular department and looking at value stream mapping. And there's a real calendar and curriculum of events that I usually deploy to kind of capture all this information and augment it with the previous kind of PESL and SWOT initial discovery analysis. Next thing is going straight to the uh, the C-level exec team and asking about a vision and a mission. And at which point, dependent on the company and the size and scale of your client or company that you're working in to do this, you'll spend and hemorrhage hours of time pontificating on, well, what's a vision and what's a mission? And I'm certainly not going to get involved in that in this podcast, but I do talk about it on my blog post. But it's really important that as a team of people, you are able to articulate what the IT strategy is there to do and practically how it does that. And it usually forms a number of key values that underpin something that everyone can get behind and understand. And the purpose of that is no matter who you are in the business or how long you've been there, everyone can look to almost a totem of understanding of here's what IT and technology in this organisation is here to do, here's how it um, does that and also here are a list of underpinning values whether that's enabling people whether that's being cost effective whether that's being transparent innovative or various kind of versions of that and it's something that everyone can get behind and it's very often missed it's a two three hour interactive session that can be really well facilitated by someone that knows what they're doing and a business will often have a mission or a vision or to some degree what it does anyway. It's important to integrate any IT or transformation strategy into that, or at least I try to make it complementary. So for the sake of two or three or four hours with the executive team, it's really worth doing that. And then going out to poll and seeing what 
others in the organization think the organization's vision and mission is because that can often be an entire difference of opinion and that's quite surprising and eye-opening to leadership and executive teams. So we starting to layer up information now, like the layers on an onion, and we're starting to understand the business a little bit more. We're starting to understand its its users. We're starting to understand its processes. Maybe we've done some value stream mapping. Maybe we've done some as-is assessment. We've done PESL and SWOT. We've spoken to the C-level executive. We've done some interactive sessions with the people on the ground. We've sent surveys out. We've got NPS-style sentiment analysis and we're starting to build a 360 picture of the business the next thing i want to do is kind of visualize this and also build a very loose kind of um almost like a direction pathway of what objectives and initiatives and therefore it projects need to be spun up to fulfill uh, and achieve the goals and the objectives and the vision and the mission that we've learned about so far and if I keep referring to the blog, but there's quite a lot of visual kind of components to this. If you go to Mario's blog and look at this post, you'll see I've laid out an example of uh, on a slide towards the right, you've got your IT goals. And you as an IT professional will need to understand what are the goals of the IT strategy. And those goals are often um, achieved through IT initiatives or IT projects. And you as an IT professional need to come up with, well, what projects are we going to focus on in what order across what timescale to be able to achieve uh, the IT strategy's capability? And those capabilities are often a list of services and features and facilities that the IT department and the IT strategy does in that business to be able to serve IT and serve technology. And the reason that you want to think about your capabilities and your services within an IT strategy is more often than not, you want to make your IT consumable and productized. And when we talk about kind of service maps and integrating that into business operating models, the way IT fits within that, it's easier to consume if you think about it as a range of services off the shelf, productized services that can be swapped and changed in um, for all kinds of reasons and we'll, we'll do a we'll do a podcast about operating models and why um, productization of IT services is important but the IT goals are achieved through IT projects or initiatives that are decided upon by making sure that there's a consensus of what IT does as a range of services but that works in tandem with understanding the business goals, the business initiatives and the business capabilities. And if you look at the graphic, you'll see that kind of the first three serve the last three and they intertwine. So the purpose of that visualization is to show that you've thought about understanding the business and what it's trying to do and how IT will deliver and help achieve the business objectives. Otherwise, what you get are IT folk often coming up with a list of sexy, attractive, low-hanging IT initiatives, which might help but also contribute to a lot of noise and friction. And what you want to try and do is get as quick a ROI, a return on investment to your IT strategy as you possibly can. So putting some thought into how you order and cadence a set of IT projects over a period of time, whether it's three, six, nine months, um, understanding what the business is trying to do, its initiatives and its goals, and visualizing that in a way that makes sense is a real valuable thing you can include in your IT strategy. Right, let's talk about measurement, KPIs and OKRs. So I think any IT strategy, anything that you do in the business as an IT person, you want to set up a framework of measurement to be able to solicit both feedback, measurement 
and be able to present improvements or not. It gives you really insightful empirical feedback to allow you to adjust and pivot what you're doing to make sure you're doing the right thing. So not putting measurements of any kind in place is a really bad idea. And I'm just going to hover over a few but this is a big subject, so there's plenty to read online, and again, I'll link to in, in the blog post. But think about customer satisfaction. Think about how your IT strategy impacts customers. And customers are not only the forward-facing customers of the business, but also the internal users. There are so many anecdotes, and I'm sure this will resonate with so many people. You can work with the, the best companies in the world that offer the best service to its users and consumers but behind the scenes everything's held together with spaghetti and we see it time and time again because the people supporting the business are often forgotten about so think about all the customers and you might want to solicit measurement and feedback again as i've mentioned before through things like mps surveys and things but also think about how you collect feedback the manner to with which you do it and how you involve those people in co-authoring the solutions that you're putting in cost modeling you can look at cost saved, OPEX reduction, CAPEX decrease. They're three examples of financial metrics that you might want to look at, especially when you're in the murky world of vendor management, financial analysis, looking at contracts, how you're scaling procurement activity, that kind of thing. So think about how you measure the cost of IT itself. How many customers or clients have been achieved or increased upon as you deliver these IT initiatives? That's always a good one. In a service desk or support world, if you're running a service desk like a uh, ServiceNow or a Zendesk or something in particular, there's a whole heap of dedicated metrics for that. But think about ticket volume, think about uh, tickets open, time aged, closed tickets, that kind of thing that you can pull directly from the platform. So you get a, a correlation between satisfaction there and your NPS sentiment analysis too. And this becomes even more important as you get to bigger user bases, bigger clients, bigger businesses. And then if you're doing software engineering and maybe one of your initiatives is to implement an AI code gen tool, for example, like Code Whisperer or Duet or Copilot, think about Dora metrics as well as just kind of the usual asking the engineers, hey, how, how is it going with that code gen tool? Now, Dora metrics are a set of standardized kind of software engineering metrics, which I won't go through now. I think I've talked about in a couple of other posts when I'm talking about AI. But you can think about things like successful mergers and code completions and deployment frequency and mean time to restore and change failure rate and you can pull those again from the various platforms depending on how you do CICD and DevOps but that's a really good way to show benefit on an AI tool for example which you'll invariably be implementing at some point in your IT career especially if you're doing a transformation program in 2023-2024 so think about Dora metrics but there are a lot more and then also think about OKRs too. So this is understanding and being able to articulate measurements. So an OKR objective might be, and the OKR itself might be, for example, um, to get everyone in the business having a completely satisfied experience with the computers that they're being given to do their job. And you might have an objective that surrounds that. And that objective might be to reduce a repair and replacement cost on that end user IT hardware. And key results of that might be to get an NPS score of more than 70 out of 100 polls users for satisfaction. A key result might be to cut end user compute costs on laptops and consumables by 50%. And 
that's just one example. The purpose is of having a, a target, an objective, and then backed by key results that you can measure. So think about as you articulate and write an IT strategy, think about how you're going to measure it and articulate it. And you can do that with OKRs. And again, subject of an entire uh, podcast, which uh, is, is, is not one I'm going to do now. But uh, do think about measurement, really important. So we're about halfway into the podcast. We've done so much so far. We've thought about vision and mission and the company's goals. We've thought about the order and how and what IT initiatives and projects that you'll you'll spin up. We've done SWOT and PESEL analysis to understand the business and the vertical that it exists in. We've polled the users. We've spent time with each department. We've understood and started putting together some measurements and OKRs and KPIs so we know if what we're doing is right. So now we need to think about the technology approach. And obviously... I'm going to talk broad here, but again, it's really important to think about the as-is state of the business to understand where you want to go. Now, there's a few, again, cracking open the standard management consultancy toolbox, uh, a few ways of doing this, but you'll often want, and you may have heard of the notion of kind of build, lease, buy, or buy, build, make, or something similar. And what that refers to is the business's de facto standard of how it procures capability. And this is another reason why, if you remember when we talked um, a few sort of areas ago, when we were talking about how you build up uh, the productization and service roadmap of IT, this contributes massively to your buy, build or lease strategy, for example, because you can determine and decide what you're going to get outsourced and pay for, what you're going to build in-house and why you should do that. There's obviously increased uh, cost of ownership on um, internally created tools, platforms, facilities, and that might be right for you, or it might be something that you want to grab off the shelf via a third-party vendor. Or whether you do a long-term lease investment, which you usually do, on hardware and that could be anything from telephony to end user compute physical kit multifunction printing devices that kind of thing and i can't talk with granularity for your business the point i'm trying to make here is i at least want to understand kind of the default approach to how we consume things because if we're doing everything because uh, we'll do it ourselves diy and we'll bootstrap it and fund it ourselves then you immediately know that you've got quite a complex landscape to think about and the processes that underpin that and the finance that support it. If you get getting everything done through um, third-party vendors, then your VMO and your procurement and contract management and measurement needs to be shit hot. So think about that and think about what's right for the business and the thing that you need to do at the time. And I include a buy, build and lease strategy in, in the IT strategies that I, I typically author. So then I talked about communication and strategy earlier in terms of how you do you package all this up and talk about it. At this point, Maybe you're several weeks in, maybe it's taking you a little bit less or longer because the client or the organization has got a lot of this information, so it's quicker to corroborate than do it all yourself. But you're at your desk, you've got all this analysis and sentiment. How are you going to articulate a strategy in a way that makes sense for people? So often transformation plans go wrong because they're not communicated in a way that makes sense and resonates with people. And a communication strategy is really difficult to do well. You need to think about how you communicate everything that we've spoken about 
to both C-level executive, to those paying for you, whether you're an in-house employee, an in-house leader, or a consultant. You need to think about how you communicate change with users that are going to be impacted or affected. And you need to pick champions on the landscape that can help you communicate the message, communicate the strategy, and help solicit and achieve buy-in. There are so many practical things you can do as part of a, a communication strategy, interactive, well-facilitated sessions, town halls, show and tells, lunch and learns. Um, but it's really important that you think about communicating any transformation plan. In times where I've done this kind of thing, we've used companies internal uh, like a Yammer to be able to communicate and build um excitement and wet people's appetite of change that's on the horizon and how it's going to benefit them we've used video and multimedia to be able to communicate little snippets of content um, newsletters outwards communication and really well facilitated public events too to bring people together which is even more important in a hybrid remote world so think about how you communicate in any it strategy you need to think about and going back to technology um, your cloud adoption model. Now, I've talked about this some length, and it is still um, something absolutely at the forefront of businesses' minds in 2023-2024. If we look at transformation over the past 15 years, or if I reflect on all the clients that I've worked with and been fortunate enough to be involved with, I see varying states of completeness with IT transformation. There are some clients and organisations that have done a full transformation and they've achieved their IT and digital objectives and they're a changed organisation and they will look back at their history of how they used to operate and be shocked and surprised that they've made that progress and that progress may have been done internally that progress may have been done by internal leadership or they may have gone outsourced using third-party vendors like consultants to be able to help with that transformation and that's great a lot of organizations are still in like this halfway house where they've done a bit of transformation and then budget has been cut and they kind of left with half and half. Maybe they've lost appetite or funding has run out and they've done certain things, but they've been left short with others. And often cloud adoption is a big one. Organizations are still thinking about how they cost save. It's one of the biggest things that companies are thinking about as they always have, but in particular in 2023 and 24. And IT being a, a cost centre is something at the forefront of any business leader's mind. So there's often a desire to move to cloud with an assumption that it's cheaper, and often it is. But it does need expertise to help a business navigate through the what is often really complex licensing models. Thinking about whether you're going for a public, a private or a hybrid cloud solution and the pros and cons of that. If you're in heavy regulatory and heavy governanced environments, then public cloud solutions may not be the thing to leverage. You may have to do a private cloud. You may have to even do some kind of hybrid on-premise cloud solution. But thinking about your approach to the services and again another reason as to why to think about your IT services as products off the shelf productized pieces of capability because this helps drive these decisions at this level when we're thinking about well how are we going to do uh, administrative function like uh, group active directory we might use Microsoft Azure in the cloud and have a cloud AD server how are we going to do uh, 
observability and monitoring well maybe we've got some in-house tools to do that but what about the IT that sits underpin that to help host that uh, technology or anything in between so you've really got to have a cloud adoption thought and a cloud adoption model and also the big thing that I still see businesses really struggle with and it's the vendors helping exacerbate this further in my opinion is the complexity of cost cloud compute containerization and using services like Kubernetes spinning up on-demand workload compute functions sounds fantastic but often um, it's very easy to set up and deploy and very difficult to then observe and monitor so think about monitoring and observability platforms getting a cloud billing specialist in working with a trusted vendor that can help you navigate the cloud license models because often pricing is a really murky world and it's almost as if, if I put my bitter, disgruntled IT management hat on, that back in the day when I was first doing system administration and IT, the things that were difficult were per seat licenses. If you've ever worked with major organisations like um, Autodesk or Adobe or Microsoft, I find those licensing models back in the 90s almost purposely unfathomable. And and compliancy and everything around that was a real difficult job for a system administrator or IT manager. As everything's moved to SaaS, software as a service in the cloud, the vendors and the providers and the authors of these amazing tools and platforms, they thought, well, how can we continue to make it opaque and complex to make sure that we can leverage um, client mistakes, I guess, because it does, it happens. I was working with a delivery manager a couple of years ago and getting them through some AWS certification. And this delivery manager had left on some end user compute outside of a free tier and had come back to it a couple of months later and received a bill and it had automatically billed their credit card. And, and the delivery manager was thinking, yeah, I just didn't realize that there was a cost attributable to this. So if you think about that at scale, you've really got to make sure that that person in IT or that well meaning technical person in your business isn't spinning up a load of shadow IT to prove a concept that's then left on that you're then financially liable for. So your cloud adoption and cloud cost model uh, is really something to uh, get to grips with. AI and ethics. I try and stay away from AI even though I spoke about it on a couple of posts because it's a conversation that's not only being done to death but I just have my own views. I'm a big technology advocate as you know and um, I love anything to do with technology and AI and I have my own thoughts often which echo many and some that are a little bit different but you do have to as part of a strategy think about how you will leverage AI even if you're not immediately going to do it. There are certain kind of touch points that I'd really want to just cover quickly here so I think this covers many organizations without getting lost into the deep conversation of AI. So if you're going to use CodeGen tools like Code Whisperer or Copilot or uh, Google's Duet, then you need to think about how you do software engineering and how are you going to bake in security, governance and testing, making sure you're not hard baking API endpoints or secrets or passwords into the code that uh, these CodeGen and large language models that you often train on your own internal proprietary collateral are able to sniff and pull out. You need to think about any kind of industry regulatory and compliancy safety, security and malpractice risks that you've got by using code gen and large language models to train on your data. The sales pitch from a vendor will be to rock up to your organization and say, 
we've done an analysis that you spend 30 to 40 percent of your time answering via your service desk the same problems so if we can use an ai chatbot for example to solve that problem you're going to spend less time on that and more time on doing something else more important and you'll also increase user satisfaction because they'll be able to in effect self-serve so they roll out a chatbot that you pay a lot of money for it trains on your organization's internal data and the idea is that you can poll it a bit like a real-time wiki that you might use confluence for um, the problems with that are it can be like the Wild West and you often are unable to understand and how to configure what you train this large language model on or not. And therefore, you can potentially open yourself up to risk. So again, I'm not going to go into it too much, but an IT strategy definitely needs to have a notion on AI and ethics. And then finally, the process the process around how you'll do this stuff and we move into the world of agile and we move into the world of operating models that i've done to death on this podcast so i'll kind of stop there but those are the things that hopefully you think about when you're writing an it strategy they're certainly the things i think about and hopefully that's been really useful if you've been listening if you're an it manager or an it professional or a delivery manager and you want to get involved on the podcast itself get in touch with me via twitter or x at mario dc or the delivery manager daily thanks for listening do subscribe to um, there's some video versions and things on YouTube. Go to the blog, mariosblog.co.uk. Uh, and I'm really, really, really happy that loads of you are listening to this. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for listening. I'll see you again on the next one. Did you know that digital sustainability is really important to me and it should be to you too? Working in delivery teams, sustainability is the heart of what Agile is in 2023. And I talk about it on my podcast, Carbon Agile. Go over to Carbon Agile in wherever you get your podcast from and check me out on medium.com too. Search for digital sustainability and Carbon Agile and you'll be able to find out the latest in what I'm doing in sustainability.